My name is Jan Scruggs. I'm the founder of the National Vietnam Veterans Memorial in uh, Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. And uh, I'm uh, here today with Alan Ho, who I've known for a number of years. I do, I do some of these podcasts. Uh, I do all of them because I try to find people who have interesting stories that the audience needs to know about or should know about. And uh, Alan Ho has a long history of sort of warriors <laughs> in his background, going all the way back to the Hawaiian chieftains uh, before you know the arrival of, of the the, uh, the white man and so forth. And uh, he's every color of the rainbow goes through your blood. Everything from Scotland to England <laughs> to Hawaii to China to Japan and. Uh, when you go to Hawaii, and I, I encourage everyone to go to Hawaii, it's a good thing to do. It's a wonderful vacation. But you see many people who are very uh, dramatic looking because of the mixture of all the different uh, ethnicities. So uh, uh, I would just have to point out that it, uh, he, he did a great job in Vietnam. Uh, one of the most dangerous things you can do if you ever go to war is uh, become a combat medic. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, not all of them made it. I was in a battle in which we had two medics, one of which was shot in the neck, which miraculously missed his uh, the, the vein that pumps the blood. And uh, the, the other medic was actually shot in the eye. This was a sniper out of scope, and this guy was pretty good. He was actually shot in the eye. It, it uh, took part of his brain out, and he, he never recovered. So uh, war is not for the weak of heart. And uh, you, you also have two sons. Uh, uh, two, two of your sons. You have no daughters, is that correct? No, no daughters, just two uh, boys, yes. Okay, yeah. And uh, they both entered the military, and we'll be talking about that. Well, All right. Alan, uh, I forgot to mention you're also very much involved with the Honolulu Polo Club. Correct. Yeah. I mean, if you, you want to wear a T-shirt to get people's attention, to say, well, we met at the Honolulu Polo Club. <laughs> All right. What did I miss uh, as I went down this uh, telling your life story for you? Uh, probably my, my professional career as a lawyer, but, you know, that that's, that's, that's run-of-the-mill stuff. But, yeah. Uh, service in the military and, and my passion for the sport of polo, which is one of those things in my genealogy goes back many, many years. And so, uh, you know, uh, as time moves on, uh, those things become a highlight of your life and uh, something one gets a special passion for, like you do with Sadie. Yeah. Now, is, is it correct that you were also a district judge at one point? Uh, that's correct. Yeah. And the, a district judge uh, deals with people who are basically criminal behavior. And uh, what, what sort of cases did you hear? Well, you know, I, I heard cases all the way from civil matters to criminal matters. And it, it essentially deals with at the district court level, essentially deals with probably, you know, uh, good Joe Blow citizens first contact with um, uh, breaking the law. And uh -huh. so uh, for me, it was fascinating 
the number of people whose first contact with the judicial process was when they appeared before me charged with some either minor or uh, serious uh, criminal violation or civil dispute. When you're a judge in Hawaii, do you wear the Hawaiian shirt or do you wear a suit and tie, the robe? I'm just curious. No, you, you wear the black robe and, um, and, and for the most part, because of what the significance of that role is, uh, you know, you usually will wear uh, a long sleeve dress shirt with, with a tie under it. But uh, essentially, you know, you can go in shorts and, and, and T-shirt if you want, <laughs> as long as you have the robe on. Yeah, most of your defendants but, probably did show shorts and Yeah, <laughs> with, with, with slippers. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, as I mentioned, uh, uh, you have or, or had two sons. Could you tell the story of uh, how your uh, son met his uh, death? Sure. You know, um, my, my two sons were like seven years uh, in age difference. And my, my older son was uh, Nainoa. Um, and growing up, I never tried to impress upon them uh, any kind of the, 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 um, the visions or dreams that I had. Uh, I just wanted to be a good supportive parent. And, and over the years, um, my two sons sort of, kind of recognize or realize their family's legacy. And both of them sort of committed at some point to serve uh, in, in, in the army. Um, and my older son, Nainoa, uh, was a incredible young man, very bright, very smart, uh, very athletic, and uh, just, uh, just a real kind of good kid. And uh, one day he decided it was time for him to kind of serve his country and, and join the military. And this was after he had earned two college degrees and he came home and he said, dad, I'm going to sign up. And I said, well, awesome. I said, with your educational background and degrees, are you going to try for a uh, direct commission or are you planning to go to OCS? Because by this time he had already graduated from college. And he said, no, dad. He said, I'm going to enlist. And and you can imagine the, the, the look of grief that came over my face. I said, okay, wait, time out. Haven't you learned anything yet in terms of if you want to kind of progress and, 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 and gain solid experience for a future life, why don't you want to become an officer? And he said, you know, Dad, you were an enlisted soldier. You were a successful NCO. If I cannot become a good soldier. I have no business being an officer. That absolutely blew me away. Okay. And so, you know, for two years, he, he did enlistment stuff and rose to the rank of sergeant. And then one day he came home and he said, all right, I'm going to go back to the University of Hawaii, earn a master's degree, and I have been accepted uh, for a um, uh, contract uh, position with the University of Hawaii ROTC uh, battalion. And, and so after uh, two years, um, he broke all of the records there during both at school as well as the ROTC training. Oh. And uh, at, at one point was the command sergeant major. And then at, at his graduation, he was the battalion cadet commander. And then he uh, 
came home and said, Dad, I, I uh, earned my dream job. And I said, what's that? Are they going to send you to medical school or something? He said, no, I, I uh, was selected to become an infantry officer. And, and it was for me, it was like, OK, this is this is the hype of, 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 of one's ambitions or one's goals or dreams as as a young soldier. You know, you, you want to be a platoon infantry platoon leader because that's where you kind of have to demonstrate and where you have to earn uh, your your rank, if, if you will. And, and of course, he was as successful Infantry officer basic, uh, airborne school, ranger school, and he was on his way to becoming a very solid young platoon leader. And for me, there's there's basically two positions in an infantry battalion that is probably the best that one can strive to achieve at. One is the infantry platoon leader. The other is the combat medic, because those are the two guys that sort of uh, hold the whole operation together, both in terms of uh, proficiency, tactical skills, as well as maintaining the health of the soldiers that are part of uh, that platoon. And, and of course, after he finished all that schools, he got assigned to his first um, platoon assignment, which was with the uh, first of the 25th Infantry uh, stationed at Fort Lewis, Washington. And then when he got there, he called me. He was very excited. He said, I am going to become a gimlet. Now, for those of you who are familiar with the, uh, the history of the gimlets, the history of the 1st of the 25th, as well as the uh, 196th Light Infantry Brigade uh, in Vietnam during my time of service, which was 67 and 68 in Vietnam. The Gimlet Battalion and my battalion, which was the second of the first, we were sister battalions. And so uh, this young man was just thrilled to death that he would get to serve in a battalion that was a sister battalion to his dad's combat battalion. And uh, he uh, strove to be the best young man he could be. Uh, I had a chance to meet and talk to his crew, as we call them, you know, the, 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 the NCOs. Uh, of his platoon, which was Charlie Company, third of the 21st, as well as the platoon sergeant. And they just absolutely loved this young man and how he engaged them and how he understood and appreciated the significance of their role as NCOs in an infantry uh, platoon. Um, and the sad part of all of this is that uh, on January 22nd, uh, 2005, after he had been in country for almost six months, while on a patrol in the city of Mosul, he was cut down by a sniper and uh, we lost him. Oh. That's uh, an amazing yeah. story. Yeah. And, and I think, Jen, you, you will recall uh, Memorial Day 2005, Five, when I had the privilege to speak to the uh, Memorial Day uh, attendees at the wall ceremony, and I had I brought with me a little American flag that my platoon carried with us in Vietnam, and um, 
Nainoa and his NCOs, uh, after they got to Iraq, uh, sent me a message and said, Dad, send me the battle flag. My guys want to carry it in honor of the men who served with you. And at that time, uh, men who are still missing in action in Vietnam. And of course, you know, that was probably one of the most proudest moments uh, of, of, of my life to have my son and his young soldiers ask to have me send them something that was iconic in my life, something very cherished in my family's life uh, so that they could honor the memory of the men that flag went to battle with. And, you know, uh, sadly enough, uh, my son was carrying that flag the day he was killed. I see. What kind of advice do you have for people who might be facing a crisis like this, losing uh, friends in battles or wars, uh, losing a son or a daughter in the military, on a police force, whatever? How, what are some things you did to psychologically recover from this? You, you know, one, I, I think one never gets over it. Um, you will hear people say, well, you know, you need to move on. And, and you know, you, there's no such thing as getting over it or moving on from the loss of a cherished family member. But what one can do is to celebrate that individual's life. So every day I celebrate his life. I think of all the things that he enjoyed doing and all the things that other people uh, remember about him. And we remember him uh, in, in, in that light. Uh, there is nothing that can replace the joy that is lost. But you remember all the good things and uh, you just kind of live for the day and you live for tomorrow. Um, and it's kind of like a lesson I learned in basic training uh, taught to me by uh, a platoon sergeant uh, one day when we were on the PT field, totally exhausted. And I paused for a moment while the rest of my guys are still moving on. And he said, soldier, is that the best you got? And I kind of looked at him and I said, yeah, you know, this might be it. He said, well, if that's it, this is where you die. Think about that. And yes. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to die here. So, you know, it's just move on a step at a time, an inch at a time. And, and uh, probably one of the things that I, I that has helped me kind of get through it is that during the course of my combat experience, when I thought life was at its worst, I would always see, hear, or learn of another soldier whose experience was twice as bad as mine. And so, you know, just stop feeling sorry for yourself and just move forward. Yeah. Well, those are wise words coming from a, a wise man in the Aloha state. And uh, there's nothing quite like visiting the Hawaiian islands and enjoying the wonderful people there and seeing some of the incredible real estate and uh, wildlife and just absolutely a fantastic place for a vacation. I want to encourage everyone to go to Hawaii because uh, if you've never done it, you owe it to yourself. You worked hard and it's time to go to Hawaii. I want to thank you. Mahalo, I think means uh, thank you. Is that correct? Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. 
thank you very much. And we look forward to uh, seeing you again. Absolutely. You know, uh, uh, you know, we've enjoyed your visits. And uh, yeah, please come back and see us soon. Aloha. Aloha. Aloha.